Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. That's the trifecta of the construction business. We all want that, right? Well, after working and talking with hundreds of builders and remodelers over the past two years, BuildBook has discovered the one common ingredient that determines the success of your construction business, the client experience. Yes, if you drop the ball anywhere in the client experience from the first impression to the final payment, things get super messy super quickly. BuildBook has spent the past several months developing the first-of-its-kind platform that focuses on helping you deliver throughout the client journey the one thing standing between you and achieving the trifecta of construction. It starts with marketing tools to attract the right leads, add in sales tools so you can win the best projects, and finish with project tools that knock your client's socks off. If you're looking for an unfair advantage in your business, this is it. Head on over to buildbook.co now to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 123 with Dave Yoho. And I am super excited for you guys to dig into this conversation that I have with Dave because he brings an unbelievable wealth of knowledge. He's been in the industry for a long time. You'll hear as we talk about at the beginning, he's 92 and he's pretty much spent his entire career within this industry and mastering growing the, you know, these types of businesses, working uh, a lot on sales. And we're going to talk about sales primarily today. And so I think you'll get a ton out of it. Listen closely to some of the language he uses. He, he gives a lot of great examples for how to draw out you know, kind of pains, desires, uh, things that your prospects want and need. And then he has great strategy and process and steps for basically building value into the sale. So I think you'll get a ton out of the conversation today. And uh, yeah, let's dig in right now. This is episode 123 with Dave Yoho. Hey, Dave, glad to have you with me today. Well, I'm glad to be with you today. At my age, I'm glad to be someplace every day. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were we were talking, I guess it was probably a week or two ago. And you said you're 92, is that right? Yeah, I was 92 this year, exactly. 92. And I'm, I'm thinking of becoming a Boy Scout if they'll take me. But <laughs> I, I never apologize for my age. I work every day. I, uh, I have a health style that uh, beguiles people. And the mental acuity, I study every day. We run a large business and we're anxious all the time to get positivity into there. So part of it starts with me being positive about what I do and say. But it also takes me back to the fact that I've been in the business, as most of your people are in, for probably 65 or 70 years of those years. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited to, to have this conversation is I think you're, you've got a wealth of knowledge that you can share. And I'm curious, just take us back to the beginning a little bit. Like, how did you get into this industry that we're all in? By accident, not on purpose. This would not have been my first choice. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a veteran of World War II, and uh, I enlisted with a, uh, I was underage. I was 15. I went in, competed in the war. The war ended. 
I came back because I had left during high school. I didn't have a high school diploma. So I went back to school, got a GED. They had just introduced it at that time. Then I did my undergraduate at Temple University at night. And then I got out and I thought, hey, the world is waiting for me. I'm a college graduate, right? There, and we were in a recession at the time, bad, bad recession after World War II. So I took the first job I could get. And the job was with a company, the first real job. I had done some other things, but the first real job was a company that was a division of Reynolds Metals. Now, hmm. uh, they, they were anxious to get into the building material industry, and I went to work for them. And they put me in the division that sold directly to the consumer. And so you, had to, you had to figure out sales quick then, huh? <laughs> well, the first thing they took, you, you knocked on doors. And now, uh, uh, if anybody's ever canvassed, they had to solicit business that way. I dislike doing that. Uh, not right away. It took me about eight minutes to know that that is what I wanted to do the rest of my life. But I built a great career. They had 72 offices. I became a sales trainer, a assistant sales manager, a sales manager, and I became assistant to the vice president in charge of sales. Back when I was about 26 or 27 years of age, it moved very quickly. And I left to form my own business. So I formed the own business in 57. And I had a business partner. He had an office one place. I had another. And we eventually built it into the largest home improvement company at the time. We were doing $60 million a year when we sold our interest in the, oh, the early 70s. That'd be equivalent to $250, $300 million today. And we did it. And we were essentially in the roofing business. But we uh, had a coating. We owned a coating uh, manufacturer, and we did coating on cementitious surfaces and stucco and asbestos shingles and things like that. And so we built it. We and uh, we had 147 salespeople, and we did uh, 60 million dollars. But uh, business. If a guy did a million dollars in those days, that was a big company. Yeah, this company did a couple hundred thousand. You know, and of a. If a salesman sold $100,000 worth of business, he was a hot shot. I've never regretted it now. I look back and I think, hey, it's, it's a great business. It's $325 billion today. And I think it's a great business to be in. Yeah, I think so too. And, and it's funny, as with all of our journeys, sometimes we choose it and sometimes we don't. But you end up somewhere and you go, yeah, you know, I guess that happened for a reason. You know, like you said, looking back, you said, well, I, I wouldn't have changed it. I'm kind of curious to dig into the the sales side of things. It sounds like you you started door to door, but then you know quickly accelerated. Did you just learn on the fly, or you know how did you move into sales training? Uh, you know, uh, to- well, that's a good because that's what I preach today. I was fortunate to go to work for a company that had what they call a structured presentation method. Now, the difference between structured and unstructured is that. People don't go to college and say, teach me to be a salesperson. <laughs> They'll hear about sales techniques or sales models, but they don't really understand the fundamentals of selling. And so you, we worked for a company that put this in separate segments. Here you do this first, this six X, next this, and that this, and then here's how to present the product. So they taught all those things. Now, they weren't perfectionists, but they were on the right path. And uh, actually, that's my foundation is systemic selling methodologies. And I I introduced to this industry in 19, probably 1961, 1962, methods called step, step selling. 
and it puts it into steps or what have you. Uh, we had 500 salespeople in that company. Very, very competitive within the organization. So they would have uh, inter-office collaborations. Uh, two offices, one in New Jersey, one in Pennsylvania, would drive, meet each other. And we used to get there and do a lot of role playing. So it uh, was really great. It was a great foundation for me. I had a good education preceding that. I was very mature, having been uh, in the service earlier. But uh, it showed me a path of action and uh, that didn't exist today and seldom in many organizations does it exist now. There'll be a lot of people who are listening to this that I believe, Spencer, will say, yeah, but I don't want to be a salesman. I, I, I don't like salespeople. I, but the truth is, there has to be a sales premonition. There has to be a sales system. Or otherwise, you're going to miss a lot of business that you'll wish you have. Now, today, in my world, uh, we've represented professional organizations like the Practicing Law Institute, and we've done presentations for the optimists, the optometrists association, professional people, and dentists. And all of them are in the profession. They don't want to be salespeople, but they have to use certain sales premises. That's what step selling is all about. And understanding the phenomena of the way the customer thinks rather than the way you think and you feel. That's awesome because a lot of, I mean, you you said it, a lot of business owners they get into the craft and they don't look at themselves as salespeople, even though that's the lifeblood of their business and moving it forward. But having a process, I think, allows a lot of people that don't think of themselves as salespeople to execute well in that role. I know I definitely fit that bill early on as, you know, I'm I'm traditionally very introverted, had to work really hard to kind of break out of that shell. And I didn't ever think of myself as a salesperson. But if you have a process and some steps, then you can go through that. I'm curious, you work with a lot of companies, you know, and help them with the, improve their sales processes. What are some common mistakes that you see organizations making when it comes to sales? So this program is going to be on for six hours? Exactly. Oh, We've sure. got six more hours here. Yeah. So <laughs> start with one and, and we can go to a hundred. <laughs> well, I don't like the word mistakes. And the reason I don't like the word mistakes is you cannot know what you do not know. And you're fundamentally educated. Uh, you're fundamentally educated in a sophisticated environment: the school system, the, uh, the specialized courses, uh, extended education, college, whatever that might be. But there has to also be an understanding of the people you're working for and with, and that's your customer. And your customer thinks, feels, and acts in a certain way that always isn't their best interest. Now, there won't be a guy listening to this, a guy or gal listening to this that doesn't say, yeah, but you know, people want all this and they don't want to pay enough money for it. They want the cheapest thing. That's got nothing to do with them. That's got to do with you. If that's their fundamental thinking, then what can you do to ameliorate that or change that? And so if, you know, I hear that people, you have to sell the want, you have to sell the need. Now, I took advanced courses in clinical psychology. And there's a great difference between the word want and the word need. They both have four letters, vast difference. So if you said the average person calls you on the phone and said, I want an estimate on, I'd like to come look at my project. First thing that you have to think about 
is what do they want as soon as possible? And you're not going to like this. They want a price as soon as possible. And the minute you succumb to that, you do them a disservice. Because until you can establish in their project why they're doing that project, what drives them to give it, what gives them the impetus to do that, you can't position your project. I don't care whether you're selling total remodeling or you're roofing or uh, HVAC systems or plumbing or any one of a number of things. When you're doing those things, the customer has some ideas about what they would like to have. One is a price as soon as possible. So the people listening to this, you're going to make a choice. Do you want to sell at the lowest price? Oh, no, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. They're the people that ruin my business. Well, they're ruining your business because you let them ruin your business. Because the, the customer not buying on price, that's not the truth most of the time. It has to do with value. And value means is what you are presenting being fitted to what they expressed when you talk to them early about why they want to do this. And then you build your pr presentation to meet that. Now, that's a step. But it all goes before that. I mean, most of the people you're, you have on here may answer their phones wrong to begin with. It's out of sync with a modern society. Good morning, XYZ Construction. How may I direct the call? Or worse, they have the automated system. If you're calling for an estimate, press one. <laughs> if you have a repair, press two. If you're waiting for delivery, and, you know, the customer called with an intent and purpose. And the first thing to do is affirm them for that. And if you pick nothing else from that affirmation, thank you for calling XYZ Construction. How may I direct your call? That's the voice. Thank you is an affirmation for calling XYZ. I don't care where you are. You think it's all down home folks and they want to talk. Yeah, good morning. This is Charlie at ABC Construction. How can we help you today? We'd like an estimate. Good, that's no problem. Now, we're backed up in our business. No, none of that plays. You, you stripped it. Thank you for calling today. What did you specifically have in mind? And then if you are interviewing those people that call, there should be five questions you want answered to their benefit, not yours, not yours. And say, first of all, let's do this properly. Give me the correct spelling of your name so I don't mispronounce it. Mr. Bucaris, and uh, spell it for me, please. B-U-K-A-R. Oh, yes, Bucaris. That's pretty it. Am I saying it correctly? All right, Mr. Bucaris, what is your exact address? And you take the exact address. And then they say, incidentally, what is your phone number? They give you the phone number. Is that a landline or is that a cell? Oh, that's our landline. Let me have your cell as well. And listen. If you have to ever get back to these people and they're not going to answer the phone because they, they didn't see your name before, you want to establish why you're calling them back and you have their cell and then get their email because uh, our system says, and we got a lot of things we'll offer the people on the phone here for free. They can go and listen to our podcast. Text. When you can't get them to respond to email, text, T-E-X-T. -E so that's the fundamental to start with. The next fundamental is you are a stranger going to see a stranger about something the stranger wants and desires, and you would like to perform the services for that and make the adequate profit. 
That's all easy to say, but you're working in opposite to begin with. You're antagonist. So if, if you ever went shopping, are you married? I am, yeah. Okay. You go shopping with your wife. And when you go shopping with your wife and you get in the store, women know how to shop. Men don't know anything about shopping. Agreed. Totally agreed. Right, so, so the women's <laughs> going to shop. And she's looking at the I'm shop. good at sitting on the chair. You know, uh, I, I'm the fastest one to find the seat in the store. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. But here's a, here's a good example because that is traditional. Now the woman spies something that she's interested in and she's up at a rack looking at clothing and a clerk, a sales clerk comes over. What do they normally say to you in the store? Oh, gosh. They usually just say, how can I help you? Or are you looking for something specific? May I help you? Can I help you? And 85% of the time, the answer is no, thanks. I'm just looking. (laughs) Well, the reason for that is you're working against each other and neither of you is telling the truth. You came there with a purpose. Now, if that woman said to your wife, excuse me, is this for you? Is it for a gift for someone else? And your wife says, no, that's for me. She, what, what is your dress size? A six. Well, this, you're not, <laughs> this is not the size. So let me show you something. Over here, we have three departments. And one of them has a sale on right now. But are you looking for something for the summer or for now? Or is it to go to a special occasion? And she'll tell you. Now, what you've done is ask three or four questions that were important to her, not important to you. Don't send her over there to the sales area because she doesn't know what she's looking for. Help her. Now, you said, may I help you? You really want to help you? Learn to ask the questions. Here's why it won't work. You know why it won't work? If you've never done it, the first time you try it, it'll come out. So all good things are rehearsed. I didn't get, I, I've made over 5,000 speeches all over the world, every state in the United States. They didn't hire me simply because I'm good looking, although. Well, well you're I, looking pretty sharp today, so. <laughs> but they hired me because I reach people. I reach people by talking at their level, not mine. Talk about things that they need to know, whether they like it or not, but tell them in a way that is not patently offensive. So when you get to the house, uh, let's say you're traditional. You get into a traditional call, you got a husband and wife. And they're calling you for a remodeling job or for a roofing job, winded siding, whatever that might be. They have an idea what they want. And they, today, unlike it was when I was in the business, they get more information now than ever before. And what they don't get from Home Depot or Lowe's or what doesn't come in just between their programs they're watching, the advertising, they go online and you can find out anything you want today. If you're putting roof, then yeah, they'll show you 17 grades of roofing and 18 colors that go with the grades and, and it should cost so much a square. The roofer has, uh, uh, what is the thing? The sky, uh, the thing that takes the pictures from the sky. Oh, yeah, the drone. Yeah, it's huh? Yeah, the drone. Yeah, and they, they take the picture from the sky. They can tell the squares of your roof. None of that is important. You think it is. None is that important but the beginning, the embedding. Why did they call? If you're a roofer, get up inside their attic and look at the roof. If you're selling waterproofing, go down in the basement and see where the issue is. And don't tell them what it is. Ask them. If you're selling replacement windows, why does he go? Well, we have three windows we really need a problem with. Why? Well, one is hard to open. Would you mind showing me that window? 
we go to the window, instead of opening for the people, say, would you mind opening the window? And the minute they bring that window up, or they show you what's wrong with it, they get a motor message in their own mind. They remember how difficult that was. If their roof leaks and you're on a sunny, a sunny day, they say, well, it's not leaking now. Well, that's interesting. It's not raining, so it's not leaking. So if you go up in the attic and you have, a, you have something like a moisture meter or you go up in the attic with a flashlight and you see stains on the rafters or you see the insulation has stains on it because somewhere it leaked or you check around the chimney and you find out later that the, 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 uh, the flashing on the chimney might be bad. That's what they really want, but they don't tell you that because that's want is really a need. And so you have to be armed with the information to go with it. Now, I think I'm telling you too much. It's maybe more than you want to hear at this point. So I don't want to make a speech. No, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about because I, I think it was one of your YouTube videos that kind of talks about this want versus need. And it's really interesting to hear you kind of break down that, you know, because everyone thinks, oh, yeah, I'm researching a certain product or I need this replacement. But to your point, what they're really looking for is a resolution to something, you know, and so you're trying to dig and ask the right questions. And I like your point, too, about having them open the window or, you know, actually be physically involved and kind of repeating that issue again for themselves to I guess, bring out a little more of the pain and, and connect the dots there. Are these the kind of things that you recommend people do to build the value into the sale? Because we're kind of going back to earlier, we talked about price. We don't want to sell on price. What else should we know about adding, you know, adding value into the sales process? Well, you have to sit down and make a list of what you do. And you're going to miss some important stuff. But you make this as a part of your presentation. You don't rattle off all these things. You make it a part of your presentation. I'll give you a, a simple example. If you bring someone to your house, if you're a homeowner and bring someone to your house, how do you know that person has workers' compensation insurance? It's a good question. So if you ask them, they're going to say, I have it. But that doesn't mean they have it. In some states, it's required to be on a contract form. I wrote a book on this. Uh, I wrote a, uh, one of the books was called uh, Why Buy Replacement Windows. I wrote another one called Above All, You Need a Great Roof. And in that, they were books for consumers. Now, the consumer doesn't realize the importance of workers' compensation insurance because they have a homeowner's policy. They think that's all taken care of. It's specifically exempted. So if I'm selling to you and I have a pad in front of me and say, all right, now, how long do you intend to live in this house? Oh, right now, 10 years. And uh, so what would you like this project to look like now and 10 years later? Because 10 years later, when you go to sell it, you don't want it to look like it's got to be done over. Is that important to you? Yes. And so when the, uh, the work is being done, what kind of protections do you see are important? Some stations requires a license. But if there's required a license, it'll be at the top of your contract, that your license and the license number is there. An easy contact phone number. The guy that doesn't have a license and doesn't have a pad with his phone number on can spell T-R-U-B-B-B-B-B-L-E. There, trouble, put trouble. So now we present this to the people and say workers' compensation protects you as a homeowner. And then the uh, other thing is uh, if we have construction equipment here and a, a neighbor's pet 
or a neighbor trips over the, the, that equipment, is there insurance for that? So that's all included in our price. The other point is, if, if you ever have a problem, you don't know when you have a problem. You could have a, a, a bad hailstorm, could destroy something on the exterior of your house, including your electrical system, whatever that might be. Now you want to find us. We should be easy to get to. So we have call service 24 hours a day when you call, right? Now, if you're a small company, you say, and here, this is a small business. So my wife's the bookkeeper. I'm the head guy. I do part of the projects, the estimates, and then I am also the project manager. So when you call, it's either going to be her, me, or it's going to be our voicemail. In any case, we'll get back to you as promptly as possible. Now, you don't tell that in a rattled form. You tell that in the early stages. We call it a company story. Now, company stories, I, I've seen them, you know, the guys have them today. We used to have them on presentation books. Today, they're on a, a video screen or a computer screen, and you're showing it to the people. And those should be stylized to talk about the people in their home. So if you go online or the stuff you saw online to find mm -hmm. out a little bit about what we do, these people don't all go online. You'll tell them how to go online to get all this stuff free. Now, free has nothing to do whether you'll use it or not. I mean, if, uh, do you have anyone that's, uh, do you have a friend that's overweight? For sure. Ask him yeah. sometime. Have you ever been on a diet? What do you think <laughs> the answer will be? For sure. <laughs> They've been okay. on a diet and, several and times. Them, yeah. <laughs> that's right. No, nobody has ever on a diet. You've been on diets and that weight goes up and that weight goes down. That didn't solve a problem. And the same thing, bringing people into the home. Everybody is going to tell you they're the greatest, the smartest, they use the best material. And, th and that may not be the truth. I don't mean they're lying. They're looking for the easiest way. They're saying, what will the other guy be bidding? Do I have to be under the other guy? Well, the people who are in the market to buy a Cadillac don't think they're going to get the same price as the people who bought a Chevy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But the, the Cadillac today is not only for super wealthy people. It can be a long-term investment with some high-quality things and some, uh, and some safety things in there. Well, the SUV you drive, that's special. Well, your home is the same thing. And if I say to you, so how long are you going to be in the home? And the guy says, uh, well, I'm going to be in here for, you know, the kids get out of college. So my oldest is 16 right now, so... Uh, you're probably looking uh, eight years from now, right? That's what he says now. <laughs> now he wants the cheapest roof. And if you live in Phoenix, Arizona, we'll say, I don't care how good the roof is, if the interior of the attic is not ventilated properly, you're baking the shingles, you're cooking the shingles, and you get an eight or nine your life. If it's if you have a, a windstorm or a rainstorm, you won't get too much snow in Phoenix, but that would be true in Massachusetts. So how are you prepared for that? Do you want the roof that you have on to weather that? And that is where you get into, and listen, for the people in the roofing business, roofers do dumb stuff. I'll tell you what, do you know much about construction? I know a little bit. You know okay. a lot more. Here's what dumb stuff is. You get a roof for great people and you weave the shingles in the valleys as a way of weaving you know what that means mm -hmm. 
It should have an underliner. It costs you more to get an underliner because if the water backs up in there or if someone goes on the roof to examine anything that might be, let's say your chimney had a problem, where do you think they walk? They walk up that valley. Go down to the edge of the roof, what we call the drip edge of the roof. And depending where you are, 18, 18 to 24 inches is vulnerable because you can get icicles on the edge of the roof in the, uh, in the colder climates. And when it rains, it backs up. And when it backs up, it's got nowhere to go except under those shingles. Now, if the shingles are sealed down, which they're supposed to be, and they're put on there, the edge of the roof should have additional coverage. It should have maybe an 18 or 36-inch starter roll. Yes, it costs you more, but you're doing the customer a favor when you use water shield or the way you treat a roof. If the roof doesn't have a ridge cut in it, and you say, yeah, get up there and check, you don't have a ridge cut. How many roofers do you think tell them that? It's going to control the life of your roof. It's going to control the ventilation. If you get a ridge cut, you have to have some vents in the soffit. I'm not a roofer. I'm someone who deals with the way customers think and feel about their needs. And the, uh, if you've been online, you see some of the stuff I do that gets people a little annoyed because they think it's sophisticated mumbo-jumbo. I talk about right versus left brain selling, how that comes into being. The more time I spend in the marketing business, the more I realize that marketing isn't just about your website, signage, social media, and print collateral. Marketing really sits across every part of your business. It starts with your brand, your signs, your website, but it continues on through the sales process. How you present yourself and your company on a sales call incorporates marketing. And just as importantly, how you deliver your service to your client is marketing. The feelings that they have in the middle and the end of the project are big factors in determining whether they will spread the word about you. At the end of the day, marketing across the entire customer lifecycle is really tough. That's why I love what BuildBook is up to. They've been working hard to bridge those gaps and solve those problems. Their new tools start on the marketing side, continue into the sales conversation, and finish with the project. Get these three elements working together and your business will be humming along. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. If you're aiming for the trifecta of the construction business, head on over to buildbook.co to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. And as we get into that uh, a little bit further, I just want to hit on a couple of points there. I love the examples you use going back to the workers comp, you know, just thinking about asking the right questions to the homeowner so that they're, you know, hey, is if this scenario happened, would this be important or are you covered? And they're going, well, I don't know. Or, you know, and so it raises the level of importance of those items that probably most people just breeze over because they're like, oh, this is probably table stakes. Everybody has to do these things. And so you don't look at them as maybe big selling points. But I think if you do as you're suggesting, then suddenly you're the only one talking about those things, even if you're two or three competitors that the the homeowner talks to is also doing them, but they won't know because they're not sharing or or asking the right questions. Do you find that to be to be true? 
okay, well, touching on what you just said, you cannot know what you do not know. And if you think about yourself, your product, and what you can do, and that's your concentration when you go in the house, that's what you're going to talk about. That's just Good the way point. life works. Now, I want to make this point. When I talk about sales practices, I tell you now, you do not have to be a salesperson. You have to understand how the sales process works. And if that customer is saying to you, yeah, but uh, this guy put it on for $800 less than you do. And he's told you that he's going to live in that house for another 10 years. Do you know that's about $7 a month? The difference between ordinary and extraordinary is $7 a month. That's what that is. But you've got to let them tell you that first. They'll tell you we have a price or we were down to Home Depot and we got a price there. So selling has to be made to appeal to people. Now, here's something that everyone listening will agree to. If they trust you, if they trust that what you're saying is more about them and less about you, if you uh, express things that show you care more about them getting what they need rather than you getting what you need. And every all small contractors make the big mistakes. Well, we're not the lowest. We're not the lowest, but people have always said we do quality work. Now, when I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with that, but except where you place it. And so when you get to the house, right when you get to the house, from the beginning of the project, you'll have people say to you, and by the way, we're not going to buy anything right now. Well, we're just kind of evaluating the project or we're getting three estimates and you're the second one. Now the guy's like, oh, what's the first guy say? What was he getting? But you should have in mind a quality project and a quality presentation that reaches those people as to their benefits. So get back to this trust. Are you familiar with the word rapport? R-A-P-P-O-R-T, rapport. Yes, I am. I always ask people, what do you think that means? And you know what the question comes up the most time? What do you I think? Or hmm. trust. They'll say oh, trust. Building trust. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would have said connection. Okay. Know, well, connection is good too. I'll tell you why. I hear people saying, well, you got to teach them to like you. You got to <laughs> teach them that you're a likable person. No, you don't have to teach them any of those things. What you have to teach them is that you can be trusted and that what you're saying is something that is not only for them, but other people like them. So if you were to say in your opening remark, most people like yourself, the home is the largest single investment. Am I wrong? And they'll tell you, well, we have a summer home as well. Bang, oh boy, you write that down in your brain. But for Take most people. Your home is your most expensive investment. Now, how do I breed trust? I want you to, instead of thinking of rapport as trust, I want you to think of it as harmony. Harmony. If I can get into your presence and say and do the things that make you believe that I am interested in you, their mind will open up. And they will listen more intently. And when I get into a home and you go online and you can see all these things, you go on YouTube 
we got thousands of entries on there. You can see free of charge. You don't have to pay our client services to come in here. That's why I'm doing this program. It's a public service. And it's for the consumer, but it is for, you're not getting the truth. You go to seminars and you say, so what percentage of the inquiries do you sell? Well, in my case, I make it usually 90, 100%. Okay. <laughs> now, if he'll lie about that, he'll lie about some other things like what his religion is or how his, well, the truth is that's not that's the truth. The truth is you can only sell a certain percentage of the people that you make presentations to. But if your goal is to sell as many as possible, you'll stop thinking about what they look like. As an example, why do I have one a tie today? Do you know? I don't know, but I'm guessing it has to do with the way you want people to remember you or think about you. And that I have respect for them. They're taking the time to listen to this and drink it in. And I have the right to be present to them in a respectful manner. I would never go into my church without a tie. I never go visit anybody in the hospital without a tie. And I do that out of respect. Now, you don't have to wear a tie. You can take the tie off. The outfit would still look pretty good. But I want to show respect for them. And so when I go in their house, if, if you're a contractor type where you got the on your belt, you got your tool belt or on your belt, you got your measuring time, whatever that might be, take booties with you. You know what the booties are to put yeah, on the yeah. booties. Now, the reason for that is you can say to the people, do you mind if I don't, uh, is it okay to come here without? No, it's not okay. The minute I get in the house and I either take my shoes off and put the booties on or put the booties on over my shoes, I am teaching them that I have respect for them and that starts to breed harmony. When I asked you in the beginning, what is the correct pronunciation of your name? How do you prefer to be called? You know, you can call me Dr. Simmons. I'm the general practitioner in this that's what he wants to be called. That's what I call him. I call him doctor, doctor, doctor. And so harmony is based on my doing something for them while I'm making a presentation that makes them comfortable. So when I say to them, would you ever allow anybody in your home without workers' compensation or public liability insurance? What do you think the average answer is? No. Okay. I'm going to tell you that on a regular basis, they do business with people and they have no idea really? uh, the, uh, where the workers comp public, they have no idea. Have a guy come to repair things. And uh, so I, I'm not saying that's wrong. Uh, some people in this business are essentially tradespeople. And as a friend of mine puts it, when you want to build your business, you want to think about, are you working in the business? Or are you working for the business? And they're two different things. If, you know, if I'm in taking service calls and that's my job to take a service call and I say, what am I doing taking service calls? You're not performing a task that's beneficial either to your company or the person. If you're performing your service tasks or making the people comfortable, that's at the top of your thing. And you'll see online, we even suggest today everybody take a behavioral profile 
a profile that determines your behavior, what you can say. You say you're introverted. I don't know who told you that. They probably don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you may be less extroverted than other people, but you wouldn't be doing it. You couldn't even speak into that microphone. Now, you're comfortable speaking into the mic because you've done it before. But it's true of anyone. Yeah, you just got to get practice and reps in, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So, so now let's go back to this concept. Do they like me? Do they love me? No. Do they trust you because you have harmony? So my job is to build the bridge so that there is harmony between myself and the people who are there, the interested parties, so that they feel I can not endless stories about this case or that case, or we used to have an old theory, they go in and pet the goldfish. Oh, I see you got a bowling trophy there, sir. You much of a bowler? Yeah, you know, I to bowl years ago. Yeah. Well, that doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> and if you get young people today, well, young people, anybody younger than me is young, right? <laughs> and and we don't go in, we don't talk about the same thing. Don't look for commonality. You know, the commonality that exists, your home, and what I can say or do to you. If I leave you with the idea that you never leave anyone to work on your home without workers' compensation, have I done my job? Do you trust me? But how do I present it? That's why I say go to YouTube and you'll see the way we do it. I got all kinds of did you see the thing on there I did for AT&T executives called How to Buy a Car? Or yeah, I did. Buy- yep. Yeah, I was going to actually drop that in the show notes for this. Uh, yeah, so anybody listening, we'll put the link in the notes. Yeah. And, and so, uh, It's, it's listen, awesome. <laughs> people don't like to hear a speech. I've spoken all over the 22 foreign countries. You know, I've spoken. You got to be talking about things that are of interest to them and wherever they are at a given time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, I've got a, a few more questions for you. This has been awesome. But real quick, if people want to learn more about you and your company and how you might be able to help, what's the best way to get connected or or find you? DaveYoho.com. If that's too complicated, I'll write it down. Dave <laughs> yeah, could, could you spell that out? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. You know, the people yeah. often say to me, how do you spell Yoho? Well, I say, why are we show? But any way you spell it, it's going to sound like Yoho. If you go to DaveYoho.com, you go on our website. We got stuff in there, inexpensive things that people can get, or we got a lot of stuff for free. But here's the point. What are you investing in your, what, what do people invest in their business? Now, I've re- written two best-selling books. That's the one I told you about, best-selling books. And uh, I did the American Booksellers Convention after I wrote my book. They wanted to have me come and speak to the people who sell books. And I tell you that most people buy a book and never read it. Did you hear what I just said? Because sitting, I, I did. I'm still desk, processing their it. Desk and <laughs> everybody's desk is the round to it. You're going to get round to it. You're going to read that book eventually, and uh, you don't have when, when you read a book. Force yourself to get something out of a book. When you listen to what I'm saying today, you don't have to buy into everything I say. I mean, you're going to have people who say, "Well, he talks pretty loud. And he talks pretty fast." And I don't want to be that way. You don't have to be that way. I've trained all kinds of people. In the company I ran, I, we trained 100,000 people, 100,000, which is not, that's not the people. We, we sell a million dollars worth of a thing called the science of successful in-home selling. It's, I don't know. It's about $130 on digital or $170 if you buy it in a package. 
But here's what I'm saying to anybody. If you're not willing to invest that in your business, I understand. That's up to you. You're not going to. I don't have to worry about you buying these to get another suit or another tie. I'm telling you that the great thing that this country, this is a great country. I'm a patriot. I think this is the greatest country in the world. And I think politicians and the press and whoever is trying to advise and guide us makes a mistake. We're not stupid people. We Amen. country, 130 million people before World War II. Now, 325 million people. And we are the dominant commercial country in the world. It's a big business. It's a great business. We're doing work for one of the greatest investments people have, their home. We have more homeowners in the United States than elsewhere. So go online and you see the stuff you'll get for free. Were you charged for any of the stuff you went and see or saw or what have you? No, all on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would highly recommend people head over head over to the website, DaveYoho.com. We'll put the link up and then yeah, tons of tons of video content on YouTube. I I got through several, but there's probably hundreds there. So lots to learn. And to your point though, to take a little bit of action with it. Well, here's one thing I will tell you also. I'm an educated man. And I don't mean because of the colleges I went to. I'm an educated man because I constantly draw all the research that's out there to find out what people think and are saying. And what the press tells you may or may not be true because the person deciding what's in the press may not know. And in one of the things you'll see online where I talk about right versus left brain selling, this is not new. Uh, I had to be certified in something called neuro-linguistic programming. You'll hear us talk about proxemics. Where's the best place to sit when you make a presentation in someone's home? The best way to phrase certain things you're going to say about things, the people, when you say. So if you listen to them and you're going to get one little idea, it can help you towards your future. And that's what it. it should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Dave, we got one last segment of the show. We call it our fast five. So I'm going to hit you with five rapid fire questions. Just say whatever comes to mind and we'll, we'll wrap up. First question is what's your favorite business book and why? Well, probably the, uh, a work like from good to great. If you can get that book by Collins, it's called good to great. Did you, you're not in your head. So you read the book. Yep. And what it is, it's an analogy of companies who've done great and done well. My own book, I have a book called How to, ha How to Have a Great Year Every Year. Now, it's in its third or fourth publishing, How to Have a Great Year Every Year. And I believe in reading today. But the short answer, get that book. Easy to read. And incidentally, if you ever have trouble reading, read the first chapter, then go to the back of the book. And look in the indices or the support area and see on page 83, they'll talk about uh, smiling when you sell or they're talking about uh, analytics or any of those things. And you'll find how they're in the book. The greatest books are done in a simple way. And they're, they're brief. And these are not historical novels. They're written so you can pick a little thing out and then try it. And the other thing is when you get an idea and you get it's a new idea, Usually takes about 21 days to perfect that. And we talk about that. Uh, now, you want to get sophisticated? I have a book out that's now electronic, and it's called Power Linguistics. Linguistics, the uh, language of the words that work best and the words that work least. 
and it's uh, available on in many, many different sources, including Amazon, or you can get it online. Cool. Next cool. Question. Yeah, those are good ones. So next one is, who's the most inspirational person in your life? My wife. My wife. I think I, I treasure my relationship with my wife. I have a very outgoing and a very aggressive personality. I married uh, an angel, and uh, we have a great relationship. We have uh, four children, and my children are all educated. And I think they're the dominant forces in your life. Now, if you want to talk about inspirational sources, I lay that at the feet of uh, always reading and finding the people who you like to. uh, There's a great book called Man's Search for Meaning. Love that one. Another book? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Written in a concentration camp. That was written in a concentration camp. And within every book you read, you can look at the index and find reference in the bibliography about other books. Right. And I am an omnivorous reader. I used to read 50 books a year. 50, I pick them up and read them. I don't read as many today. I buy a lot of other services that are, have white papers, 12, 14, 16, and stay abreast. And I stop. I don't listen to the news. I think it's all contrived. And uh, yeah, put, put some, very, put some education well. in your ears instead. <laughs> well, well, I've done very well in the world, you know, and I, I don't mean this to be bravado. My parents never owned a home. Uh, my father uh, never owned a car. My mother's father was functionally illiterate, couldn't read or write. My grandfather. And all these people are inspirational to me in the way they built their lives with nothing of substance. And before I was 31 years of age, I was worth over a million dollars. That's because of this country and the opportunities you know, that can happen. In this yeah, country. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Dave, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? Long life. Now I'm, I'm, listen, I'll tell you, I'm already 92. My superpower is to constantly increase my understanding of other human beings and how they think and feel. And understand that everybody, exactly where they are, is doing the very best they can. If they knew how to do better, they would do better. And my job is not to change them, but to present in their life opportunities or options that if they elect to do one or two or three of those things, it comes out better for them. And so uh, that's my choice. I'm very active in Veterans Affairs uh, because the, uh, the group I was in that I was recruited for, there were 250,000 of us. There's less, less than 900 left. Wow. And, and uh, there were 16 million veterans in uniform, and they die at the rate right now of 300 and more per day. Wow. So, uh, and then get to know more about what your parents did and get to know about what their generation went through. And if somebody says these are tough times, ask him about the depression when 27% of our workforce was out of business. So, and I, and I thank God for all that and his participation in my life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, two more for you. Describe yourself in three words. That's tough to do. Being loquacious, three words. (laughs) God is my moderator. Awesome. I like it. All right. Final question for you, Dave. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Never stop learning. This is a great world we live in. Never stop learning. Find out the real truth. Just as an example, we live in, in a great country. And if you want to find out about the formation of the country, the great books all the time. I just finished reading one 
And I have to tell you, they're long and they're prodigious, but they give you insights of what brought us to where we are. And never stop learning. And there are, there are exciting ways to learn. But wherever you are, just by learning, you're being beneficial to society. And then I'm thankful. I want to say that I'm thankful for the people who take the time to listen to this today. I understand it's supposed to amplify me. Nothing they can do is want to upgrade, upgrade my lifestyle. But the fact that they want to listen gives tribute, attribute to my search for knowledge and where I can place it. Super cool. Super cool. Yeah, Dave, I feel like we could have gone on for hours, but uh, I really appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your knowledge with us today. Well, good luck and uh, stay well. Everybody stay cautious, stay well. And I hope this is beneficial and you'll have the access to, you can drop me an email and and tell me, you can tell me your likes or dislikes. You're not going to offend me one way or the other, (laughs) but I would like to hear from you from time to time. Cool. Cool. Well, that sounds good. Well, thanks again, Dave. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Take care. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dave. As always, we'll pull out a couple of takeaways. So the first one just being having a process, having a system for selling and for sales. And you could hear it in a couple of the examples. He's saying, you know, hey, if you hear this from a homeowner, you know, uh, something around price or something around something they're requesting, then that will dictate, you know, your response. And if you have a, a process and a system, then you always have that response, but you're reacting to whatever that, that prospect needs and uh, is looking to accomplish. And so this was one that I'm going to go back and re-listen to because there were some really subtle points in there and some great examples. Uh, but that was one of the big takeaways I had from the conversation. And then the next one is really thinking about presentation. You know, So if you listen to this via audio, you couldn't see, but if you're on video, you saw you know, his suit and tie and he kind of talked about that presentation and the respect for the homeowner. And so just thinking about, you know, as you're having sales meetings, sales conversations, thinking about what kind of, you know, what you're trying to do there in in terms of building or showing them respect or earning their trust and some of the things that we talked about in kind of that segment of the show. So yeah, really, really great conversation with Dave. And I felt like we could have gone on for several more hours so I may have to, to steal them back and, and bring them back on the show and, and dive deeper into a couple of these topics. But hopefully you guys found this helpful. And uh, as always, really appreciate you listening. Please, please take a minute to spread the word, leave us a review. It helps keep this momentum going. And uh, as always, we appreciate your support. We'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.